you're always going to be your, your biggest obstacle. If you're able to get to the point where other people are telling you that your ideas are crazy, I think that means you're right over the target. <laughs> as long as you're not telling yourself that you can't do something, because right, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, the second you say that you've determined the outcome, you don't even get a fair shot at it. That clip was from today's guest, Dr. Eric, who is the founder and CEO of the fastest growing free medical education company, Quick Steps. He's a Florida-based internal medicine resident, and in this episode, we go through how it was that he founded and started Quick Steps. We have the pleasure of getting to know how he has accomplished so very much. Dr. Eric's fencing career included training with the U.S. Olympic team, and he won a silver medal in the Junior Olympics, as well as being a Division III national champion, two-time NCAA champion, and three-time Ivy League champion. He has over 30 published research works and is an absolute fountain of knowledge. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did, and I do have to insert a disclaimer here, which is that when he mentioned his fencing career and the fact that he was an Olympian, my end of the Zoom cut out, so I didn't hear that phrase, so we didn't dive super deep into that, but we did learn a lot about his mindset, the way he faces challenges, and how it was that he started such an incredible company. Everything will be linked in the show notes, and I hope you all enjoy this episode just as much as I did. All Things Con Amor is the pursuit of holistic health, wellness, happiness, love, the things that really set our soul on fire. Enjoy the ride. Hi, I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest. Um, for everyone listening, this is Eric. Can we start off by having you just introduce yourself to the audience, telling us a little bit about yourself, um, how you decided to go into medicine, just a good general background. Also, if throughout this episode at all, on my end, you hear knocking or construction, um, I live in New York City. So we're just gonna go with it as much as we can. Take it away. Uh, hey, Steph. Thanks so much for having me. Like the introduction said, I'm Eric. Um, some people might know my voice, at least as Quick from Quick Steps. I'm the CEO and founder of Quick Steps LLC, which is a all free med ed platform, predominantly YouTube based, but we have our own website. Really sorry to hear about the construction, <laughs> but that's, uh, that's some of the downfalls of living in Manhattan. I grew up actually in Long Island for half my life, and I went to undergrad and medical school in Manhattan. Uh, so I kind of sympathize with you on that front. Currently, I'm an internal medicine resident uh, that's going to be based out of Florida. So I'm very excited to get back to work pretty much. So that's, that's a good summation of me. Okay. It was, it was very succinct. We're not going to bore them today. Um, let's talk a little bit more about quick step, how you decided to start it, what that looked like. Like, was it just an idea and then you just kind of built it from there or did you have a layout that you went by? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So I did dabble with tutoring and teaching uh, for the MCAT for Kaplan and a bunch of other different question banks and all these other companies. And at some point also with my medical school education, I became like the de facto tutor for all of the underclassmen. So even today I'm getting, you know, 50, 60 texts. Uh, should I take this uh, NBME or what have you? Um, and I felt like pretty fulfilled doing that, although I was being spread fairly thin. Um, and I guess we'll probably get into it later with time management, uh, but there definitely was a, a bit of a, a pull in every direction. So I figured, well, if I'm teaching, if I have some experience in teaching and tutoring anyway, I might as well make a platform that's 
A, recordable, so people could access it multiple times, and B, just accessible to everyone else. And it was initially geared towards the students at the university, and now it's kind of ballooned into something much larger, and I'm, we're kind of trying to find our niche, but I think we've pretty much hit right on the mark. Very cool. What would you say your niche is? Like, did you just kind of throw the dart at the board and see what stuck, and now you're kind of refining the content towards a certain category, or give us a little bit more information about what it is that the videos are about. Are they all topics? Are they just questions? How are they formatted? Yeah, sure. So we started off as 100% questions, predominantly step one, as at that point I had yet to take step two. Um, I also worked with a few other residents who would contribute with question making, and we really particularly did target questions because at least for me, that's one of the ways I've learned the best. And also there seems to be a tremendous lack of free questions out there. Um, there's a lot of you know YouTubers that put up a lot of content, um, but there was very few in, in terms of questions, at least, at least when we started. So that was our first little entry point. Uh, and since then we've been expanding and we have visions at some point of making this kind of like an all-encompassing hub or a nexus of, of everything, of all aspects of medical education, and try to pressure those uh, those question banks that you know charge students who are already tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands in debt, that charge them you know six, seven hundred bucks for a few months of questions, you know, especially when pass pass fail is now enacted for step one. We want to hopefully pressure those companies to also bring down their pricing, make everything more affordable and to just increase access to, to decent, high-quality medical education. I know that when I looked into your company, I was completely shocked at the fact that you like started this and are running it, and it's all free. Because like you said, those question banks are super expensive, and it's frustrating because I had bought a few last summer um, with a stipend for a research program I did that we had to use on like medical education stuff. So it was nice that I got that through the program, but I activated the subscription and then I ended up using a different service. And so by the time I went back and I was like, oh, I want to use that subscription, it had expired like a week before. And it was so frustrating because it was like $600 that I didn't even get to use. So um, I completely agree with you that it's, it's really interesting how much these companies profit off of medical students when medical education is so expensive in this country already. How did you like get the questions? Did you come up with them yourself and then you just walk through them in the videos? How does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, studying for step one, I think I clocked in at like 31,000 questions. Um, so I'm very familiar with a lot of the concepts and I've, of course, I've done a lot of repeats. All of our questions are uniquely generated and actually going into quick steps. I was the sole founder and CEO for seven, seven and a half, maybe eight months. Uh, there was no one else to help me. So I'd be making all the questions myself. I actually preempted the initiation or the, the inception of quick steps with making my own question bank of a couple thousand questions already for step one. Um, and I had to tailor all of them, still had to upload and edit them to make it more clear or some topics more obscured, maybe to make it a little harder. Um, but all of the questions are uniquely generated and um, they're from my notes, which are all encompassing uh, from all of my medical school. That's really incredible. Um, for everyone's reference, I my class is the first year to take step pass fail, but um, Eric's year is in prior. They all had it graded and a lot of where you were going to be qualified to match residency was based upon your step score. So 
props to you. I'm sure you did amazingly on step. How did you do all of this while being a full-time medical student? Like I, I feel like people ask me how I have a podcast, but I'm, I'm, I really struggle with the time management of it and the consistency of it because editing episodes is very time consuming. So how did you study for step and do all of this at the same time? Yeah, well, that's actually, I mean, I totally get, uh, I think you have a harder job of <laughs> hosting a pretty in-depth, uh, well-renowned podcast. Um, but for me, this actually, it kind of just seemed to align perfectly. I was always under the impression if you could teach something, you know it, you like you've mastered it fully. So I took it upon myself to be able to teach all these concepts as a way to reinforce these current guidelines and keep me up to date on everything. Even now I have to edit some questions to now keep up to date with the new guidelines. And that's kind of one of the things I, I went, I went overlooked initially upon its inception, but quick steps holds me accountable to keep up with everything as well. And with that, it also helped me to study for all of these exams. I completely agree with that notion that by the time you, something is teachable, you have to know it really, really well. Um, hopefully I'll get to that point as well. I also wanted to know how you decided on YouTube. Was it just like what made the most sense to you? And then you also built the website. How did you build the website? How did that happen? Did you build yeah, the website? So, yeah, I, I built everything. It's uh, <laughs> I had to learn how to code or use Wix a little bit. I pretty much, I'm like a, I'm very boring, but I'm also a workaholic. <laughs> so um, all I know is, is how to work and just keep being productive. And um, that kind of just translated perfectly to this um, with regard to building the website itself. That took a little while. Um, we actually came out with YouTube first because that was the easiest access point that costed no money. Um, and it was also accessible and free for everyone else to use. Um, we like we pride ourselves that we're the best worst company because we do not want to make a revenue. Whatever we make will be directly invested back into either the company or raffled off to students for their own, you know, third party systems for studying. So uh, hopefully those prices go down too, so we can help more people. That's very very wholesome. Um, and you're right, that is a very bad business plan. <laughs> but I congratulate you on it, and I think that um, a big part of why I wanted to highlight your company was for that reason, because I think so many people get caught up in the idea that whatever you do, you have to be the best at it and make a ton of money off of it, or it's a waste of time. And in reality, like this clearly just brings you joy and you happen to be good at it. And now you've shifted it to a way that it can help so many other people, like for generations to come. That's the cool thing about content. Once we make it, it's there forever. And I sympathize with the whole being spread very thin because even before medical school, I had a lot of people that would ask me how I became a yoga instructor. And it got to the point where I was like, I should just make a YouTube video on how I became a yoga teacher and then just send them the link because I was having the same conversation over and over again. So it really does benefit both you and the other parties that want to learn. And now everyone that otherwise would never have met you is going to get to learn from you as well. Switching a little bit more towards medicine, how did you decide on your specialty, like why internal medicine, what advice would you give for people going into rotations that aren't really sure what they want to do yet? That's always, that's the, the golden question. Everyone wants to know the answer to. I teach a lot, but I don't think I could teach that uh, from my own experience. Um, I'm going to be the first, I am the first physician of my family. Um, and I want to be the one to know everything that's going on. And it just seemed to me that internal medicine kind of satisfied my criteria of wanting to continue my medical education. Uh, promotes a lot of research, morning rounds, morning report, everything along those lines. Uh, you have to keep up to date with everything. You are kind of the person at the nexus of all at least relatively high acuity care. 
Um, and if something, you know, God forbid happened to my family or my friends, I would at least have some sort of concept of, you know, the algorithm or the pathway that, you know, them as patients would be following. And I could be there for them on both a medical and a friend level as well. Um, in terms of what everyone should do going into residency or going into thinking about what they want to pursue specialty wise, that's a little bit more difficult. That's uh, tailored to each person. And I think, you know, I wanted to go in initially, I went into medical school thinking, you know, I'm hundred percent gung-ho on orthopedic surgery. Um, and my first day in, in the OR, I had a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction flaps and maybe it was just the surgeon, but it took us about 15 hours. Um, so immediately <laughs> yeah, I could see your face. <laughs> it's For everyone um, that can't see me. My jaw just dropped because <laughs> I'm going to be on rotations next year. And I cannot imagine standing in the same place for 15 hours. Yeah. We got a small lunch break of, uh, that consisted of a granola bar for about two minutes outside before having to rescrub back in. Um, but it was, it was brutal. And after that, the amount of back pain, you know, I sympathize with, uh, with, those who are pregnant, because that, that back pain was absolutely horrible. Um, but I knew immediately going, coming right from that, that that was not for me. Um, and then I was more of a cerebral person, you know, kind of more introverted. And, you know, I am kind of just drew me towards it. And it's since then, it's kind of carried me away, both in the academia realm, and it leaves doors open for, you know, continued pursuits, either through fellowship, becoming a hospitalist, or um, just going into academia, maybe being a program director myself. Very cool. Um, something that I didn't really know going into medical school is how much you can do with internal medicine. And I think family medicine too, like both of those give you a lot of space to then subspecialize and do other fellowships when you're done with them. For everyone's reference, I um, was president of uh, research at our uh, medical school. And so I had brought Eric on to be a panelist for our like research Q&A advice on um, what to do to publish and things like that. So you're speaking to someone very knowledgeable about how many publications do you have again? Uh, now, I believe we just crossed over 30. Okay. So he's not one to brag, but I will brag on his behalf. So he's, he's definitely knowledgeable on why internal medicine would be such a good spot and the research that's involved with it. What is some advice you wish you could give your younger self or that you'd heard earlier on in life? Yeah, uh, that's another extremely difficult question to answer. But with that question kind of implies that there's some regret. And of course, there's always regret in people's lives. Uh, but I think I would just tell myself to continue course and that good or bad, the experiences are going to shape you to be who you are, who you're meant to be. Um, and you kind of have to roll with that because you're going to make mistakes in life. There's no such thing as a perfect person. And if there were, I think he or she would be way more boring than I. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the, the failures give significance to the successes and, and vice versa. And you don't really know happiness without feeling a little bit of pain. Um, and med school is, as you know, a, a tremendous pain in the butt <laughs> at times. But it, with that comes a tremendous amount of fulfillment afterwards. Yeah, I think something that made me really nervous was speaking to doctors I was shadowing. And when I would ask them if they would do it all again, pretty often I would get the answer no. And that really made me question like if this was a good decision. But I think if you're in it for the right reasons, I've, I've met some people that went into medicine because it was what their parents wanted and they burn out. This isn't the type of thing you can do for other people. It's something you have to do for yourself. So I absolutely agree with you on all of those tenants. And if a person, a perfect person did exist, I think they would be pretty insufferable. 
I think yeah. no one would want to be around <laughs> someone that thought they did no wrong. So um, admitting to the fact that as future physicians, we're also just human beings, I think is really important because as kids, we kind of put physicians on these pedestals where they're these perfect gods that just know everything. And I really want to deconstruct that myth and remind people that physicians are real people too. And we have emotions and need to sleep and eat as well. So (laughs) if anyone listening to this ends up in surgery, kudos to you. I wish you the best of luck. Um, (laughs) Alrighty. And then what is a resource you feel really positively impacted you that you think you would recommend to others that maybe made a difference in your life? So this is perfect uh, for my plug for Quick Step. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, although if you're interested, you know, definitely check it out. I think you know we're going to keep growing and aggressively expanding as much as we can. Um, some resource. You don't mean just medical resources, or, or are you specifically limiting to that? We can do medical and personal. Normally, when I ask that of people, it's like a podcast, a book, like something that changed your outlook. Because I think sometimes all it really takes is a conversation from the right person to change a lot for you. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I I guess I would start with, uh, you know, Stephanie's podcast. (laughs) Um, But also, you know, I, I, everyone's different. Um, so, you know, just like you world or boards and beyond may work for somebody or these specific question banks may work for someone, you know, you may as well just be as good, you know, doing yoga and keeping like a relaxed mind. Cause maybe that's how you are able to integrate information a lot better. Maybe you could listen to like my, for me, what worked was Golion. I would always wash the dishes and do chores around the house while listening to Golion. I think it's on Spotify under daddy Golion or something. Is it, is it like music or... No, he's just, uh, he's an old time uh, professor who, I guess I can't say old time yet. Um, he's, he's a professor who does these audio lectures um, that kind of just go over really high yield information, but in a, in a very grounded way, almost like Carl Sagan did for the, the physics world. Um, like I said, I'm a super workaholic. So all I do is, is medicine. <laughs> um, wow. But, you know, It'll make you yeah. a really good physician. Can you spell it? Is it G-O? How do you spell it? I believe it's G-O-L. Mm-hmm. J-A-N. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to look it up and start listening to it. I always have something playing when I do things too. It's um, for me, it's almost like a trauma response. Like I constantly feel like I have to be doing more in order to be worthy. Does that make sense? When you have immigrant yeah. parents, you constantly feel like you are working towards making them proud. And you constantly feel like no matter what you do, you could be doing more. So that's, I think where my workaholism comes from. So I, I understand you on that front. Yeah, I think I'm just broken. I don't have a good reason to be, but <laughs> and I'm trying to, I'm a big fan of reaching your potential. And uh, if that includes helping others uh, reach theirs. And that's all the more power to you. See, so this is my question. Were you always just like this? Like, where did the ambition come from? Did you read a lot growing up or? Yeah, I was a, a big bookworm uh, growing okay. up. I, I seemed to get along better with uh, people through literature than than just normal interaction. Interesting. I, I know one when I see one because I was the same way. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my entire childhood was books. And so I think it gives you books have this really in, incredible way of giving you lifetimes of knowledge in the span of a day. So um, it's really a cheat code, you know, like that's you get Einstein's biography, you know, everything about him uh, back in the day, you'd have to be his friends to know all of that. 
Exactly. And that's my favorite thing about podcasts is that it is a really selfless platform to make content on because similarly as while you're cooking or doing the dishes or walking around, you listen to Colgen. I listen to podcasts with people who have built multi-million dollar industries helping other people. So um, for me, I think that's why like podcasts are my favorite medium. I also am obsessed with walking because I broke my leg in college. So I don't take it for granted. So I go on really long walks and just listen to a podcast. And those are my breaks from studying. So Golgen was your medical resource you would recommend people. What is your non-medical one? Uh, so for me, I was uh, an NCAA fencer. I was in, I used to wear the tights and the swords and all that. <laughs> um, so for me, I, I'm a big fan of conditioning. Um, I think that, you know, not just keeping your mind strong, but keeping your body strong kind of redoubles that effort and acts as a positive feedback mechanism. And at the very least, you know, you know, you're, you're doing something productive, at least physically. I totally agree. And I, a podcast I was listening to yesterday was talking about the same point. It's a husband and wife and they like run the conversations and the husband was describing that um, he made this post and he said, the primary thing in your list of priorities should always be your exercise. Like people normally, that's the first thing to fall off when they get busy. And all of these people came at him and they were like, how could you say that your exercise is more important than your wife or your child or work? And he said, well, when I exercise, that puts me in a mindset where I react to things less quickly. I'm a better husband. I'm a better businessman. I'm a better father because of the fact that I prioritize my movement and my physical and mental well-being so much. And I completely agree with that. Like, I just finished the 75 hard. I had to work out every single day for 75 days. People were like, aren't you exhausted? And I was like, no, the movement has kept me sane and allowed me to be more productive than I would have been otherwise if I hadn't been doing it. So yeah. yeah. Do you a, still uh, fence or are you just like a gym junkie now? <laughs> um, I, I dabble with it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I was on the, the Columbia team for a while, so I helped them even after graduating um, rather than the junior Olympic team. But I, other than that, I have really just fully throw myself 120% into uh, studying for step, step two, uh, all of medical education. Um, but I do go to the gym every day. I try to at least put in one to one and a half hours of, of exercise, whether it's weight-based or cardio. Wow. I can't believe you taught yourself how to code while making this content and being in medical school. That's so intriguing to me because I think a lot of times I'll talk to people and they're like, oh yeah, it would be cool to do this but then they talk themselves out of it before they even attempt it. And that to me is very frustrating. And that to me is also why I like to have conversations with people that actually figured things out because everything is Googleable. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, majority of coders will tell you that they half of their day, 80% is just going to Google and finding, you know, a line of code to put in, to put in and trial and error to see if it works. This is actually my second time learning uh, to code this, uh, I mean, this is a very light coding. This is not anything of significance this most recent time, uh, but previously- Don't for research, downplay it. Most people cannot <laughs> build a website, myself included. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure uh, all of you and, and you know the viewers could also all learn to do this pretty easily. The, the main takeaway I would say from that is just, you know, you're, you're always you're going to be your, your biggest obstacle. Um, if you're able to get to the point where other people are telling you that your ideas are crazy, I think that means you're right over the target. Um, as long as you're not telling yourself that you can't do something, because right, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, the second you say that you've determined the outcome, you don't even get a fair shot at it. Um, so at least that's something that I've learned through academia, fencing, everything is 
you know, set, set your expectations high for yourself, you know, keep yourself at a high standard, keep the friends around you at a high standard, try to push yourself and others within, you know, a reasonable limit. You don't want to cause any, any mental health issues, but, um, you know, just be cognizant of everything. I agree, especially with um, keeping the people around you to a high standard, because I think that was something that really changed for me when I moved to New York. And I started to pay a lot more attention to who I was giving my free time to because I suddenly didn't have a ton of it. And you are so like the people you choose to talk to and hang out with. It really, really does rub off on you more than you would think. So I, I concur with that one. It's almost like the people uh, who have dogs over time, they start to look like their dog. <laughs> yes. I That's my favorite thing to do on my walks is people watch, not in like a very creepy way, but it is like, there are so many dogs in the city and they'll have like similar hair or like if, it, if the person is really wrinkly, the dog will be really wrinkly. I, I think it's all energy. I am one of those people that as much as I am with the scientific method and proven, proving things as much as we can, I think there is a lot of unexplained phenomena. And I think a lot of it has to do with energy and we just haven't really figured it out yet. I have a really good friend. Her grandfather is a quantum physicist, like well-known. I don't know what kind, he's won one of those crazy prizes <laughs> and he really believes in astrology and the energy of like the planets affecting us. So I think there are some things in medicine where everyone says on full moons, the hospital is much crazier than normal and things like that. So um, I wouldn't know. I never get to go outside. <laughs> Yeah, but the influx of patients is supposedly way higher. And I wonder if there are actual, I'm going to look into it, if there are actual studies published on that, because it's it's like a, a well-known thing that people talk about. Yeah. Any viewers out there, we also, uh, you know, try to conduct your own scientific experiment on that too. Yeah. Let us know what you find. The only experiment I've conducted is that all of my friends are Geminis tend to follow a similar pattern in my life. So I'm, I'm pretty set on Gemini's, um, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm not I very deep that into it. Oh, that's why you have such good energy. Aries are very like fun and light from what I know. Again, I know very little about astrology. Well, I'm very, very boring. I don't know. <laughs> you have to stop saying that because that's self-fulfilling. I mean, the boring life is, could be a good one. I agree, but I think life can be whatever we make it. I agree with that. So I, I want there to be enough stability to it where it's like an enjoyable boring, but I don't ever want it to be like, a, I wish there was more. Yeah. yeah. My, my baseline is I always, uh, I want more, no, not for me personally, but I just want more to be done. Like I'm, I'm really hoping that the next huge revolution is in the medical field. You know, we just had a giant tech one. Hopefully that starts to translate a little bit more over into medicine. Cause I feel like medicine, at least from the other physicians I talk with, um, everyone is kind of in this consensus where medicine kind of lags behind, you know, 40 to 50 years. Yeah. Um, based so, on when we discover things to when it's applied. Exactly. And some of it, it could be regulatory stuff. You know, you want to make sure things are safe and effective before implementing them. But, uh, you know, I just, I hope that at least some new devices come out and, you know, can improve longevity because it seems like that's still lagging a little bit from where we've been been encroaching on. I agree. I think there is definitely this gap between the things that are published, because obviously researchers publish for a living, 
And mm-hmm. then the translation to where it's accessible and helpful to the public. And I think that's also a gap that we could help to bridge because, I mean, your things are things that are like in the textbooks to study for boards, but a lot of my podcast conversations, if they're experts in the field, they can talk about things that aren't necessarily very well known yet. For example, I had this professor who has her PhD in nutrition on the podcast Mm -hmm. and she had a ton of excellent insight because she's constantly doing research on these minerals and where you should be getting your nutrition and the foods you should be eating versus the possibly very outdated dietary guidelines that we're supposed to follow. And I also, I really hope there's a revolution in medicine in terms of the way we take care of our health workers. I think that's definitely clear with COVID and just making sure that the people that are taking care of other people are taken care of. Yeah. I think hopefully that'll, that'll be either the next big thing or you know, tangentially in tandem with it. Yeah, um, I think it's coming. Yeah, it's, I mean, physician burnout rate is still extremely high. And with COVID, mm-hmm. you know, that's not going to lessen anytime soon. Um, you know, thankfully, I'm, at least for now, my my wires are broken in the way that I just want to keep working. But mm-hmm. that's not that's not sustainable, I'm fairly certain for anyone. Um, no. So, you know, I, th- I think that's hopefully going to be coming at least a little bit more seriously as, you know, your, our generation comes up into things with a little bit of a different perspective. Absolutely. And conversations like this can help implement them because my listenership is very much so normal people. And maybe one of them is in politics and maybe one of them will help advocate for us because I definitely know nothing about politics. Yeah. There's something um, new with physicians where we're able to advocate for our parents, uh, not parents, well, because maybe the parents too, but our patients. Yeah. Um, but we don't really self-advocate all that much. And um, I mean, one of the things is like, you know, there's, it's been said, I don't know, there's the general consensus that I've been exposed to that, that expresses, and these aren't necessarily my own opinions, but that sentiment expresses um, that physicians themselves don't have a very strong lobby for themselves that advocate for themselves. You know, the nursing PA lobbies, all these other, you know, other, anything, not saying that they're bad, but I'm saying, I wish that physicians also did the same thing at the same level. I agree. I think we spend so much time getting to a point in our careers where we can finally take care of patients and our, you have to be the type of person where you're super passionate about taking care of other people. And I think those types of people generally tend to take care of everyone else at the expense of their own health. Cause I definitely am a big people pleaser. Like I will go without sleeping if it means doing things I promise to other people. So. Yeah. And I'm sure you, you're the same as me where, you know, we forewent or foregone sleep uh, numerous times for, um, who knows how chronically sleep deprived we are um, yeah. just for the sake of, you know, getting the scores that we want so we could achieve what we want and help the most amount of people that we can. Exactly. And I just, I would love for it to finally get to a point where those things don't have to be at the expense of one another. We can simply have both because I, I really think there are solutions. We just have to look for them and advocate for them a little bit more. Yeah. And at least I'm trying to do my part with taking the expense burden or the financial burden off of the students. Um, hopefully it's a successful campaign and uh, yeah. then hopefully everything else follows through. You know, at least if I could, in the medical school, we always say is, is both expensive and hard. I'm mm-hmm. just hoping to make it hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would, I would love that. And I, I agree with that notion. And 
that's also the cool thing about learning on social media. Like I learned a lot from when we had neuroanatomy, everything I knew was based on Ninja Nerd videos and him talking through the spinal cord and all that. I didn't know your company existed, um, but uh, obviously otherwise I would have been using QuickStep. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so incredible that that was a free resource that I didn't have to like add on to the burden of my already high loans and everything yeah. that comes with the cost of learning. And academia is not only expensive in medicine, it's expensive everywhere. So I think if this is the new norm, that would be really incredible. It reminds me a lot of Khan Academy and how I like made it through a lot of undergrad classes thanks to Khan Academy. Yeah. Yeah. I actually use Khan Academy too. <laughs> um, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and a lot of the free resources out there, they are like, they're a significant amount, but they're all like, they have their specific niche. So I'm trying, I mean, I've been talking, I have spoken with uh, dirty medicine, trying to incorporate him. I feel like that would, first off, that would be cool. an amazing title would be quick and dirty. <laughs> for, for <medical. laughs> Pretty unforgettable. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if, if he uh, is amenable to that, but we partnered with inside the boards, which is another, you know, question-based uh, podcast format. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also partnered with physio. Um, so we're trying to expand the influence. We're not like, I don't know how you, we're not a typical company where we're trying to gain market share over other people. We don't view it as a net zero game. Right. Um, so we want, if anything, please compete with us, put your own free stuff out there, make it better than us, make it higher quality, like get, get the students what they need. Cause that's all yeah. our entire goal is. I think the frustrating part to me is when you look something up and you click on a website and they'll give you like a free paragraph and then they'll make you pay to read the rest of it. And I'm like, my exam is in two days. I don't have, I don't have time for your little subscription games right now. Exactly. Yeah. So something that would be like, if you have really strong search engine optimization and you can just look up a word and actually get all of the information around it, because the first aid PDF textbook is incredible, but a lot of it is very, very shorthand. Like, yeah. And if you go to the phrases. textbooks, like Harrison's or like Cecil's medical dictionary, like they, mm-hmm. that's just too much. So you need something yes. in a more like user-friendly way. And uh, I mean, maybe we haven't optimized it yet. Uh, what I would say if like for all the possible competitors out there listening, our quick steps weakness is that it's not super interactive in such that you can click on an answer, um, but you have to scroll to the next answer. So maybe that's, you know, what, what changes, you know, our company's relative successes, be my guest, develop that technology. We are like negative revenue company and I'm going to keep it free forever. I don't care what anyone does, what anyone says, it will always be free for students. That's really, really admirable. The interesting thing about like podcasts and things is that I like that it is a dual win. Like I still haven't made, I'm really outing myself here. I um, I use the platform Anchor, which is like the little ad that people hear at the beginning of every episode. And it's through Spotify and they let you use them as a sponsor, regardless of how many listeners you have. So from the day you make your podcast, you can use them as a sponsor. I haven't made back the price of this microphone. Like all of the hours and the time I've put into this podcast, like I have not profited from it at all. Um, but eventually there will come the day where maybe I get really incredible sponsors that align with my values that I like love and respect. And then I somehow make a passive income off of it that helps support me and my dream. Yeah. We've had a few companies uh, approach us, but right now I, 
I don't want to have any entanglements with anyone else, um, at least company-wise, because I feel like then you would owe them and it kind of takes away the integrity, at least for my platform, which is purely educational. Yeah. I don't want uh, any exploitation of students at all. Like that's that's just how I am. I'd rather the company be zero dollars and zero cents for my entire life and I don't get a single dollar out of it mm-hmm. um, than, you know, try to accrue a couple know, bucks from students that, you know, that are already in tremendous debt. That's very fair. And I just, I really, really respect everything that you're doing. I think a lot, we need a lot more people like you creating things that help others. So I think that's a perfect note to wrap it up on. Where can everyone find you? I mean, other than, you know, it's quick step. Is it quickstep.com? Close. Uh, So my super schnazzy website is uh, www.quickstepsmed.com. Quickstepsmed. Okay. Yeah. So feel free to check it out. Um, You know, you don't, you don't want to look me up on, I don't have any social media, so you won't find me anyway. If you want to check out the resource, feel free to visit the website. Um, And other than that, you know, this was an absolute pleasure talking to you, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. I will have all of your information linked in the description so people can just go to the caption of this episode and it will redirect them to both your YouTube and your website. Um, I, I really hope this reaches the med students that could use it because that's always my goal with content is for things to reach the people that they're meant to.